only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Recorded live. Hello and welcome to the Mental Health Hotline. If you are obsessive-compulsive, press 1 repeatedly. If you are codependent, ask someone to press 2 for you. If you have multiple personalities, press 3, 4, 5, and 6. If you are paranoid, we know what you are and what you want. Stay on the line and we'll trace your call. If you're delusional, press 7 and your call will be transferred to the mothership. If you are schizophrenic, listen carefully and a small voice will tell you which number to press. If you're depressive, it doesn't matter which number you press, no one will answer you. If you're dyslexic, press 69696969. If you have a nervous disorder, please fidget with the hash key until the beep. After the beep, please wait for the beep. If you have a short-term memory loss, please try your call again later. And if you have low self-esteem, hang up. All our operators are too busy to talk to you. Okay, good evening, folks. Welcome to another episode of Lori's Talk News Radio. It is Wednesday, February the 18th, 2015. Uh, we've again got Alan uh, Bailey on with us again in his uh, Restoring Biblical Church. <clears throat> He's continuing in the series that he had uh, been doing before, uh, and that is the Commands of Christ. This is part number seven. Uh, which is uh, warnings. I'm real kind of curious to hear about this, but I'm going to go ahead and bring Alan back on and uh, my board over there. You are, Alan. Hey, Alan, thanks for joining us again. Hope you're doing well this evening. Uh, hi, Lori. Yeah, I'm doing real good. Uh, we had, we've been having beautiful weather down here in Montana where it's real dry, where they say the ski areas, there are a lot of ski areas in, I mean, uh, around us, not too far, and all of them are just having trouble having enough snow for skiing at all. And uh, one fellow today told me that uh, he's been in Big Sky, Montana, for 42 years. He's lived down there, and it's never been this, this the snowpack has never been this low. So that's just kind of... Uh, uh, how we're doing in Montana? We're having beautiful weather. It's just real dry, so we need some some moisture. Uh, we need a little bit. Of, it seems like the weather has gone east of us. All the east coast has just been getting our weather, so that's where we are. So tonight, yeah, I'm going to go ahead, Lori. Well, I was just going to say it's it's been unseasonably warm, uh, more than usual, which I, I'm grateful for. Uh, you know, but, but yeah, when this vortex texting thing that they were talking about, and I remember last year, you know, we used to, we've always gotten these little Chinooks, as we call them up here, this little warming breeze, but not like what you're describing it does. It seems like it's kind of shifting east in your case and south in mine. So, you know, this is what happens when you try playing God with the weather and, you know, spraying all this gobbledygook up there and poking holes in the ionosphere and all that. I, you know, you... What is it the Lord tells us? They shall sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. 
I, I've yeah. always wondered about that when they're doing these things. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, if they're sewing something, I know. I mean, we have a we get so upset. We get, I mean, we look up in the morning and it's just a beautiful day, you know, a big sky, beautiful blue sky. And I'm not kidding. By lunchtime, when we look up again, it's all gray. It's all almost gray, you know, with all this gunk. It's just unbelievable. So, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm going to continue and finish up tonight this uh, series that I've been having on the commands of Christ. And I don't know. It's this kind of ran. Uh, crossed my mind not too long ago that uh, that people would a lot rather talk about other things than just simply the clear, plain teaching of the Bible uh, about what we need to be doing, about the commandments of God. And I'm, I mean, we've all listened to all of these alternative programs and the prophetic uh, stuff and they all they'll talk for hours and hours about all this other stuff and never once mention the commandments of Christ or what we need to be doing the emphasis all the way through the Bible is on wow. obedience obedience to God's law go ahead Lori well just to substantiate that at least from my perspective this is one of the reasons why I have liked this series I you know I've liked all of what you've done but this series here and one of the reasons why I've continued with Paris Reedhead on Saturdays because he does the same thing now he didn't see it I don't believe I mean the man passed in 92 but he apparently saw the insurgence of the or the the, the uptick of this then and it, it's just way blown out of proportion and then uh, Dr. Michael Heiser as well that I'm doing on on Tuesdays and, and and he's saying, you know, that he used these terms, you know, people are looking to be zapped, uh, apocalyptic obsession. And, and I find the same thing, and it, it does, I, I find the same thing. People are absolutely obsessed about these things that they cannot know about. Uh, and again, I'm going to state, I believe in all nine of the gifts. I, I, I know that they're around. Yeah. But, but to sit here and focus this at, at the, you know, and dismiss these other things like what you're talking about, and people, they just don't seem to get it, don't seem to care, don't want to hear. I don't know what the deal is, but they, most of them just seem to keep plugging along that same dead-end path. And the whole time, they're sitting here in, in, in absolute contradiction to the Lord and disobedience as far as, as uh, obedience to the Lord in, in, in the commands that, that you're talking about here. Yeah, I, I think so, too. After uh, if, if people... Uh... And the last several lessons that you had from Paris Reedhead have just been, I've told you that. I wish I would have heard those 30 or 40 years, 40 years ago. Now I keep having to adjust how long ago. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But he has had just some amazing lessons that, uh, I mean, the one he had the other day about Hebrews 11, about faith is the substance of of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, faith and sight. That, to me, that, I wish I would have heard that a long time ago uh, because that concept of using your imagination, of 
that you need to see it in your imagination, uh, believe it and see it, imagine the truth of it, believe it, and that will bring it about. I remember a story, I I mean, I'm just going to talk a little bit before I get going on my lesson. When I was a little boy, I I had trouble riding a bicycle. I just uh, couldn't seem to get the hang of it or was afraid of it or something. And one night I had a dream. God gave me a dream about, and in the dream I was riding a bicycle. And so there it was. I could see it. I could feel it all. You could feel it. You could pick, you could live that, you know. And the next morning I got up and I I didn't have any trouble with that, you know. That's just that concept of of seeing what you're, of visualizing what you're believing. And God gave us our imagination to use it positively. And I want to, what I want to say, first of all, is something uh, about all of this that we have been, that we talk about all the time. And we have on Lori's call talked a lot, uh, exposing and uh, uh, what would be the right term? We just uh, disagreeing uh, with dispensational futurism. And what I'm convinced is that dispensational futurism gives you a very pessimistic view of the future. It's anything but hope. The only hope has to come after when Jesus returns and sets up his kingdom by force. And if you will, uh, if you will notice and think about it, do they ever really talk about or ever really think about or visualize this kingdom of Christ? And I can't remember hardly anybody doing that, even in this uh, future millennial reign of Jesus for a thousand years in his kingdom. What I believe, I've stated it several times, I believe the kingdom came in Acts chapter 2. Jesus went was ascended. He went back to heaven. There was a coronation in heaven. He was seated at the right hand of God and inaugurated as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he sent the Holy Spirit as proof that that had taken place in heaven. And uh, they began to preach the gospel of Christ with the power of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. We read some of that last week. And uh, Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I thought you. I just wanted to catch you before you go. Go ahead and finish your thought, but I, I want to make an, a, an interjection. No, go ahead. Like, You'll forget yours if I if I go ahead. Well, you know, <laughs> you know, it's funny with this dispensational futurism and and this this millennial reign and so on and so forth. And 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 I remember uh, back in the day when I first the Lord first got a hold of me. That's that's how I refer to it because he he picked me up, shook me around. And set me back down what I thought at the time was upside down. I realize now it was right side up, but but whatever. And I, I remember reading in, in the Gospel of Luke where he clearly tells us that the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. I did a little word study there, and it's the word ocular. Uh, and, and, he, and, he, and, and the word used there is, ooh, absolute negative. You're not going to see it. 
Yeah. And and the problems that I see with this dispensationalism, futurism, with his millennial reign, the third temple, uh, I mean, e- even if we get into this prophecy is, is again, it, it, it removes any onus or duty from us. This has been my, if I had to nail it down, this right here is right at the heart, which is why I keep interjecting in the, this series you've been doing, because it e- either, you know, that was back then or it's off in the future, and we're just sitting here trudging along, and he, the Lord set up the kingdom. Okay, Daniel 2, I'm not going to get in that site, but he set up the kingdom, and we have not occupied like he told us to do. Hey, this is yeah. one of the reasons why I get so upset, and, and I don't care if it's a pre-trib rapture or if it's this futuristic millennial reign that they're looking for like this. Is It, it has the same effect, this, this apathy this doing nothing and, and, and trying to figure out how everything's going to play out rather than living in the moment. What does the Lord tell you? That's another thing, too. Take no thought for tomorrow. For sufficiency, yeah. the evil of, of the day. I mean, so many times, we're talk- and yet what are people obsessed with and focused on? And they turn around here, and yet they, they lie like you take breaths of air. They, 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 you know, I, I mean, they just, I'm impotent. Church impotent that, that that's the word that comes to mind and that's why i get so upset and frustrated at people because they're all worrying about stuff that they cannot know and they do not focus on the stuff they do just like christ said of the pharisees I, i'm sorry for rant now but this is really right at the heart of what i'm trying to get people to understand it is me too i've i've asked i've said that before I've, people have asked me many times you know well what's your cons what's your position on the end times and i would say well what does it matter you know what does it matter what matters is are we ready for it are we are we spiritually prepared every day are we doing uh, what god wants us to do every day and how do you what's that mean that means obeying the commandments of god this is the point you made the point uh, last week, I think, you said something about uh, Maria's been reading through the Old Testament prophets there, and it really uh, hits you pretty strong that they're not really talking about the future and trying to predict what most of it. I mean, they do a little, some of that, but the primary mission of the prophets was just to be preachers to get, to get their own... Uh, time their own people to repent and to get back to obeying the law. This is the point in every one of them. This is what John the Baptist did. This is what Jesus did. This is what the apostles in the epistles do to repent and get back to following God's moral law. And uh, that's what will transform the world. People, I... I have tried to get this across to people, and I, I still don't think people get what I'm saying or trying to convey. And that is that people do not... I, I tried to explain this to my neighbor across the street not too long ago. And he looked at me like, uh, you know, like, you know, as I, he didn't get what I was saying. And he, asked, he said, what do, you, what do you mean? And I tried to explain it to him. But the, what I'm saying is that pe- Christian people in America do not 
get the connection, the direct connection between my personal obedience to God's moral law, to me being a righteous person, to our our community, our church, our local church, our people right here, as many as possible, living a morally upright life before God, following God's commandments, and the condition of the world. Does that make sense? Uh, well, it, it does, and I, I want to make another couple of comments, and I'll, I'll try to stick the proverbial sock in it. As <laughs> I okay. as I put out many many times, you know, I grew up cutting my teeth on, on Pastor uh, David J. Meyer, uh, deceased, and two things on this that he used to say. One of them is, is in respect to prophecy, is he said, and, and I, I agree. I, I think people misunderstand its purpose, and I think they. Uh, misuse it. He used to say that prophecy is not foretelling, it's forthtelling. And then yeah. he defined it this way. It is not so we can figure out how everything's going to play out. It's so that when it happens, we can look back and know that God is God. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and another point that he used to say, too, is that it ties in, I think, with disobedience. One of the things he said several times, and, and I've come to experience personally myself with the Lord, why, pray tell, would the Lord continue to enlighten us? I hesitate to use that word the way it's perversely used these days. But why would he show us and reveal more to us when we're not even obedient to the things that he's shown us already? And that's Amen. what people do back with chewing and regurgitating. They come in, they go from learning to learning to learning to learning. They don't sit there and, and, and chew on it. And, and then they, they ignore, they're not obedient, but they, they just want this, this learning and learning and learning. Why would the Lord reveal stuff when you're not even obedient to what he's shown you already? Amen. That's right. exactly right. Exactly right. If the, to, This is one thing that I have been impressed with throughout my life, ever since I, I really figured this out, that the Bible is about the moral law of God and our, our problem which our personal problem, our national problem about keeping the moral law of God, which is stated clearly in the Ten Commandments and almost every page of the Bible. This is what Jesus teaches. All of the commandments of Jesus are basically a, a positive uh, teaching, a positive preaching of the Ten Commandment law, with the exception of the Sabbath day, which we've talked about in you may disagree with me about that, but uh, the point is that the moral law of God is what the Bible is all about. And if the churches would simply emphasize teaching the moral law of God, which leads you to conviction, the law does what? It convicts us of sin. What does that do? It it drives us to the cross, to Jesus, who died for our sins and has, has given us his new life to do what? To, to do anything we want? No, to keep the law of God. This is as simple as it gets. And I don't, there's not hardly any controversy much about that. The controversy and all the division 
gets into all of these uh, different doctrinal positions, and I'm not doctrine is important, but the doctrine the more the more I understand the Bible, the doctrine simply upholds the and helps us understand how we relate to the moral law of God be, that stands between us and God. That's what the doctrine does. It's what okay, Romans uh-huh. does. That's what Galatians does. It's what the entire New Testament epistles do. Go ahead. Well, I, I had to sock in my mouth, and I had to pull it out because you tripped another trigger here. Now, I, I hope this doesn't backfire on me because I'm going to blindside you because I don't have my e-sword up. But it's funny, all this talk that I hear constantly about the Holy Spirit, we're given a list of the Holy Spirit, its purpose. There were three things mentioned. Yeah, what is it? Sin, yeah, sin and righteousness. And I'm forgetting the third one. But it ain't to figure stuff out. It's so we stay on the straight and narrow and are obedient to the laws of God. It lays it out, the three purposes of that. And, and you, where, where was that again, just so people can go look that up? I'm pretty sure it's John 6. It's... It's either John 14 or I think it's John 16. John 16 about verse uh, 10 through 16, something right in there, I think. Okay, I'll, I'll look it up later and put it because it, it, it gives the, 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 the list of what it's, it's, I say it because it's put in masculine, but whatever. Uh, it, its purpose is, is threefold there. And what people are trying to attach to it is not one of the aforementioned things. I'm not saying it can't be others, but those are the, obviously the main purposes that are enumerated there in the scriptures that tells us why he sent this other comforter, as he refers to it, which yeah. is the Holy Ghost. Yeah. yeah. To convict okay, us of sin. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Sin and righteousness and holiness yeah. or something. I, I, I forget. Yeah. But. Anyway, I'm putting this off back in and muting out. Let you get back to your lesson or to your <laughs> lesson. Sorry. What I was going to say That's about that. Go ahead. Well, this is just so near and dear to both our hearts. I, I can hear it in yours. Look, I'm not a soft-spoken, mild, blah, blah, blah. You are, and I can hear it flare up in you. I, I know that you have been trying since you did that 10 years and got figured out what you were doing, you have been trying to put this out to a, to a, a society, a, a, a Christendom, that just does not want to hear it, absolutely doesn't want to hear it. And, and, and I've had the same thing, and it is just, you know, I mean, I could see why people, if they don't get it or won't even look at it, thinking, you know, oh, what, what stubborn, you know, divisive, blah, 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 when it's, no, this is critical. This, this is central. This is Christianity. It's always about obedience. It's never not been. I don't care if you go to the Old Testament and the Old Covenant. It was about obeying, physical, do this once a week or whatever. Yeah. Do this on this, this high Sabbath, do this here. If you do this, this happens, go buy these, sell these, da, da, da. and it's the same thing in the new. And for some reason, this has gotten this antinomianism. They're lawless. And when you go to Matthew uh, 7, 21 to 23, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, lawlessness. So it's not a matter of trying to be divisive. It's a matter of trying to get people to focus on what's important and, you know, not saying dispense with it, but a lot of that stuff is pretty well peripheral compared to what the Lord says about obedience and hypocrisy. Anyway, I'm done. Or just never get started with your thing. I'll let you finish (laughs) up. I'll be quiet if it kills me. 
which it probably okay. will. That's okay. That I mean, this is this is people talk. I heard somebody the other day was talking about. Uh, you know, they were talking about the Nephilim and all this prophecy stuff, and he was saying that this is the meat of the word, you know. Now, let me tell you, let me read you what the Bible says is the meat of the word. Let me read. This is Hebrews chapter 5, says it very plainly. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. For when for the time you ought to be teachers... You have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk, and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. So, okay, what are we talking? It's kind of still hazy there. Verse 14, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, spiritually mature, even those who by reason of use, of practice, have their senses exercised to discern good and evil. That's very plain. It's just a spiritually mature person is someone who has the spiritual insight and that he can, in any situation he is, finds himself in, he can discern what God's will, what is right and what is wrong, just like Jesus did in the temptations. That's what spiritual maturity is. It's moral uh, the ability to morally identify that, and people are so deceived by all of that. So let me just get back to what I was saying about Paris Reedhead, and then I'll get on to my lesson tonight. Uh, this is kind of a long introduction. Uh, in, I was listening to that uh, one of those you had today, and he talked about Daniel 2. And it hit me in this passage in Daniel chapter 2. And a lot of these pictures are pictures that you need to picture in your mind. In Daniel 2, there's this big image. Listen to what it says in Daniel 2:44. This is what we need by faith to see, to see in our, in our spiritual mind by faith to see this picture. In the days of these kings, Shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed? It will never be destroyed. This is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ. I believe this was set up in Acts chapter 2. It's here. It's now. We we have just been deceived into believing that this kingdom is, is still in the future. It's here right now. It's something that's that God wants to work through us. This is the game. This is the chess game that God is playing with Satan. It has to be done through people. He has to convince people to do his will. He will back them up. He will. We saw that last week. There's power to back us up. There is authority to back us up to go into the world and offer the world terms of peace from the king of kings that has conquered uh, all things, and has been given all authority in heaven and earth. He stands behind us, 
But we don't, we don't, we have been so deceived for the last 150 years that we, we don't believe this. Now listen to what it says. The kingdom of God, this kingdom, which is going to be set up during the days of those kings, the last one of, was the Roman Empire, which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It will not pass to other people but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. What's he talking? The kingdom that Jesus is coming to set up. And he did. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, God did this. God took and cut out a stone from out of the mountain. This represents the kingdom of Christ, that it break in pieces, the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, the other kingdoms. The great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass forever. The dream is certain, the interpretation. He saw this picture of the kingdom of God being cut out of the mountain, and it consuming... It breaking and consuming these other kingdoms. Now just imagine that. What I believe, what I'm convinced, is that the Christian people of America have hardly any picture, any good full picture of what the kingdom of God ought to look like, ought to be like, is. And because of that, we just don't even try to, to do anything to stop what's going on in the world. We see it as this is just God's plan. It's all in prophecy. It's all written in stone. There's nothing we can do about it. Just let's try to figure out the last few, uh, the last few letters on the page there and figure out how that's going to fit together. Go ahead, Lori. I'm sorry, Alan, but you're killing me. I just I can't resist. I didn't know you were going there. For those that still think Daniel 2 and 7 is a retelling of the story, and that includes anybody listening, including on the call right now, if you go back and you look at that, I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but if you look in Daniel 2, it talks about that rock that was cut out of the mountain without hands, clearly Jesus Christ. It smote the image upon the feet, and it goes on and on, the dust, and, and, and there was no place found for them anymore, period. You go to Daniel 7, you find that those four beasts that are equated with them, you find that they were preserved for a while. Totally different thing of what goes on in Daniel chapter 2. They were, their, their kingdoms were preserved for a while, the ten there and seven, not the four here in, in Daniel. And that is exactly what happened, like you said, uh, with, with, with Acts, you know, and uh, Christ descended and so on and so forth. But, but that, and, and, and there's glaring just textual differences there and I, I think that where you and I are in agreement, and I never thought to call myself an all-millennialist, and I still do not like that term because it's not, I, it's not that I don't believe there's a, a millennial reign, just a matter of when it is, is that that seems to be the thing, that people do nothing. It's off in the future. All we got to do is figure it out, and we'll gain entrance somehow. And it's yeah. about what we do here and now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you talk to anybody, almost anybody, and they they just they glaze over like, uh, what do you mean? You know, what do you mean we can do something about it? What, what do you mean that the 
the kingdom of God. What Does this sound like the kingdom of God is going to be defeated? No. It sounds like the kingdom of God is going to uh, tear down the other kingdoms, these these uh, four kingdoms and things. So uh, that's well, just... I, I, and I'll, the, add, the, I'll add one. The, uh, the point I was making was, from what Paris Reed had said, that one of our problems is we don't even conceive of that. We don't even, can't even imagine the immensity, the practical immensity of God's plan. And because of that, we just are clueless almost. Go ahead. Well, I'm 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 going to put out this one more thought, and if I, if I have to hang up, I'm, I'm going to put a stop in it. But I, I'm going to tell you something. Did well, I'm going to I'm going to put it. Did Christ beg Caesar? No, he did not. No. Why should we beg Caesar? And I'm going to tell you the way I see it. And if people want to know why I get so upset about this, the Lord Himself, our Lord and Master, we claim to be top general. A president, whatever, Lord of Lord and King of Kings, went and confronted his kingdom, presumably with his troops behind us, that be uh, behind him, that's us, and he turned around and nobody's there. That's what I'm seeing in this modern day kingdom that people just absolutely push aside. Yeah. He set up a fort and it has been, for the most part, unoccupied. We have the one about the young rich ruler that goes away and leaves his servant in charge. That is Christ leaving, leaving us, the church, in charge, and we have been drunken and beating the, the servants and so on and so forth. The same thing with his fort. And, and this is where I just – well, I, I, I'm going to let you go, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be quiet. It's just you keep tripping these triggers, and I can't hardly contain myself, Alan, because this, this is so – it, you, 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 you couldn't touch the dot any closer if you tried on, on what I've been trying to get out, and it sounds like in large part you have too, and it, it's, it's so frustrating. It is and really it's so frustrating. It's so, it's so frustrating because Christian people don't want to listen to this. I guess the presumption is that we're already doing all this. Is that what it is? Uh, the presumption is we're already obeying it all, and uh, we just need to focus on the really – Technical stuff or something, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to start on these commands. The reason I've been going through these commands, <clears throat> and I hope that you've gotten, if you've listened to these seven lessons that I've had, it gives you a broad, deep concept of what it means to follow Jesus Christ. And uh, it's not just a quick thing. It's not just a the initial uh, baptism or whatever, however you understand that process of the initial conversion process, the new birth, it's not, that's just the, that's just getting in the door. That's just the, that's just being born. And we need to grow up and live this life that God has for us. And he describes it clearly in the commandments. But nobody, nobody seems to be, it's like we have obedience is is a dirty word anymore in the churches of America. That's legalism to talk about obedience. I'll tell you what, Jesus talks about obedience. And if you want to prepare for the coming of Jesus, if you have a concept that we're close to the end times and Jesus is coming soon, how do you prepare for that? Well, let me read it. Let me read it. Jesus came, this is Matthew twenty eight eighteen. 
Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. There's the initial conversion process. Then teaching them to observe, to keep, to obey, to do all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always in that process, even to the end of the world. So we need to teach people to obey all that Jesus commanded. And that's what I've been trying to impress you with. And I've probably, I probably in these seven uh, lessons have just, I've just barely skimmed the surface of these things. I've just been trying to hit most of the commandments. And it's broad and deep, and it, uh, effect, it deals with our moral character. It deals with our mission, our purpose in life. It, meals, it deals with God's plan for the world. It deals, uh, tonight I'm going to talk about the warnings, some of the, a few of the warnings that Jesus gives us about what not to do. Let me read this one. This is one that is frequently read about the coming of Jesus. 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 7. Listen to what this says. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. Is anybody troubled today about the condition of the world, about when Jesus is going to come, about what's going on, about the new world order? Is anybody troubled about all this? He says, and to you who are troubled, rest with us. Don't Don't worry so much. Don't get all stirred up about this. Rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Okay, we're talking about the second coming of Jesus, right? When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not, obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They don't know God, they don't know Jesus, and they do not obey the Lord. Who shall be punished if you don't know God, if you don't obey the gospel, if you don't obey the commandments of Jesus, you shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord, from the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints. Who are the saints? Those who know God, those who obey the Lord Jesus Christ. Who will be glorified in his saints to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. To believe doesn't just mean, oh yeah, I believe that. I believe that. I believe that George Washington was the first president of the United States. I believe that. Is that what believing in Jesus means? No, it means obeying his commandments. It means submitting to him as the Lord of your life. Jesus said in Luke 6, 46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say? This is what I've been trying to get across. How can you be prepared when Jesus comes again? Are you prepared? Are you obeying all the commandments of Jesus? 
Do you even and know all the commandments of Jesus? Go ahead. I, I, um, I, I'm going to quit apologizing. I, I, just, I just can't help it. You know, I, I think one of the things I have said many, many times that the Jews of the Old Testament, uh, there's two tellings of Christ coming. Two, folks, not two and a half, not three. Two tellings. One of a lion and one is a lamb. The Jews were expecting a lion. They got a lamb. I fear that Christians are expecting a lamb and are fixing to get a lion. And with respect to this, with the kingdom and what you were just talking about, which is what tripped this, I, I think a lot of people, because they're taught this post-millennialism, is I, I think what they are expecting to happen when their Lord returns, they're confusing the beginning of the thousand-year reign with the day of judgment. And that's why I say, and that's what I mean when I say when the Lord returns, whenever that is, it's game, set, and match. Yeah. Okay, right. I don't know what all is going to play out, but I, I think that they're confusing this, and they're expecting this, the beginning of this millennial reign when it's the day of judgment, the Bema Seed, right. all that kind of stuff it, 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 right. is, is how I read. You can comment or not and go on from there, but it just was in line with what you were saying, I think. That's how I read it, too. I don't, I don't read it. I mean... To me, that's plain. It's the, that's exactly how I read it. When Jesus comes back again, it's game, set, match. Everything, it's going to be the great judgment, and uh, he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. That's what it's going to be about. And what's going to determine that judgment? Whether or not we have obeyed the commandments of Jesus. That's what it's going to be. This will come up on the day of judgment, these things. Now, will the Nephilim come up? I'm not sure. Uh, there's several other details about uh, the uh, dispensational future map that I'm not sure that's going to come up, but I'll guarantee you the commandments of Jesus and whether or not we have dealt with the commandments of Jesus in a serious way uh, is going to come up. So I'm going to try to... Uh, Get through, uh, there's about five or six warnings that Jesus gives. These are just kind of do not, do not this. The first one is, do not lay up for yourselves treasures upon the earth. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth, where moth and rust corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust corrupts, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot, you cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon means uh, earthly treasures. Do not lay, now, do, does that apply in America? Does that apply to me? Does that apply to our life? What are you concerned about? Are you laying up for yourself treasures upon the earth, or are you laying up treasures in heaven? How do you lay up treasures in heaven? By obeying the commandments of Jesus, by loving other people, by sharing what you have with other people, by 
by sharing the message and the gospel of Jesus Christ with other people, taking other people to heaven with you, preparing. There's one passage in Luke chapter 16, I believe, about an un, unjust steward. And there's a lot about that. But the, question, the, the practical point of that is that he used his earthly resources to make friends for himself in heaven. When he got to heaven, there would be people there who said, hey, I, thanks, I, you know, I'll testify in his behalf because he did me something good. This is how to lay up treasures in heaven. Do not, this is a warning. It's a warning for America. America, one of America's gods is mammon. Mammon. We don't talk about that very much because that's kind of not real popular to talk about in churches. It's not really popular. It's not uncommon for people to to talk about, you know, have all these prophetic stuff, and then they'll give you an advertisement pitch so that you can uh, buy something, you know. We need to look long and hard at whether or not we are laying up treasures on the earth. Because I, you cannot serve God. And it's not like, like 40, 60, or 60, 40, or 80-20 there. It's not like that. And yet, uh, I think it was Francis Schaeffer that said the two great... He, he identified, I'd read this 30, 40 years ago, the two great sins of America are affluence, I believe. He called it affluence, uh, physical and material abundance, a nice life, Nice house, nice car, nice job, nice clothes. Affluence and personal peace. Affluence, uh, mat- you know, material goods, having having treasure on the earth, and being let alone to enjoy it. That's pretty accurate, I think, about America. I mean, there are many other sins in America, but that's uh, getting pretty close to the heart of it, I think. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth. It's a good warning. The next one is do not worry. Do not be anxious about your food, your clothing, or even tomorrow. Matthew 6.25 Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. What you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not now. Now, just think about that statement. Don't ever worry. Don't ever be anxious about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, or what you're going to wear tomorrow. Don't just don't worry about that. Does people in America ever worry about that? Is not the life more important than the meat, and the body than the raiment? Well, of course. Behold, the fowls of the air, the birds of the air. For they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit, or let's just say one inch, to your, to your height, to your stature? And why do you take thought about 
raiment, about your clothing. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, they don't work hard or sweat, nor do they spin. They don't try to rush it up, hurry up. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Uh, You could almost put in Americans. For after all these things do the Americans seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Put God, his kingdom, his righteousness first in your life. Make this your primary passion in your life. And the other things will be added to you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So don't worry about tomorrow. Is anybody worried tomorrow, today about tomorrow or next week or what's going to happen in 2015? Have you heard about that? What's going to happen in 2015? Have you heard of all the de- all the other ideas about what's going to happen this year? Oh, man, I don't know. Take no thought. Don't worry about that. What should we do? We should seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be... Uh, that doesn't mean we might not be persecuted. It may- doesn't mean we might not have terrible situations. Just don't worry about that. God... That doesn't mean not to plan for it. doesn't mean not to make some preparations every day to do what God commands us to tells us to do. God will take care of us. The next one is do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Satan uses, I think Satan uses uh, basically two different tactics to to get us uh, astray. The first one is he uses deception. We'll talk about that in a minute. Do not be deceived. And the second one is fear. Fear. He can intimidate us. The fear. And worry is simply fear uh, transferred to tomorrow. It's about worrying is fear Uh, for tomorrow. It's the opposite of hope. Hope is a positive expectation for tomorrow based upon the Word of God, based upon what God tells us. Hope, not worry. Do not be afraid. And fear, this Matthew 10, 28, and fear not, fear not them which kill the body. Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. This is who you should really fear. Fear God and keep his commandments. 
That's in Ecclesiastes, the end of Ecclesiastes. And many other places in the Bible. Fear God. The beginning of the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So fear God, don't fear man. Matthew ten twenty nine. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? Uh, just a little is maybe we'd say a dollar. You know, you can buy two sparrows for a buck. You know, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father's notice, without his plan, without him noticing and planning for that. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Some of us have more hairs on our head than others. This one thing that God keeps track of. Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. So don't be afraid. John 14, verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So Jesus is going to come and receive us unto him. Who? Who? Those who believe in God, those who follow God's commandments, those who maintain the attitudes, the character that Jesus describes, as described all through the Bible, in the moral law of God, in the Ten Commandments, and the teaching of Jesus, the teachings of the apostles. John fourteen twenty seven, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Don't be afraid. The next one is, be not deceived and beware of false prophets. Matthew 7, verse 15, beware, this is a warning, beware of false prophets. There are many false prophets that are not teaching you the truth. They come to you as Christians, they come to you as men of God, but they don't really teach you the truth. The truth is clear and plain and simple. It's for common people. And it's it's about your daily it's about your daily life, it's about your moral life and your standing, your personal standing between you and God. And if Jesus isn't in that mix somewhere, and if you're not serious about following Jesus, you're going to have a problem. Beware of false prophets. They teach about everything. I mean, a whole broad range of things they teach about, which come to you in sheep's clothing. They look very innocent, very sweet and innocent, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. They're ready to eat you or to... Take everything from you. You shall know them by their fruits. This is what we must learn to do, is to judge people not based on what they say, not based on the color of their skin, not based on what they've done necessarily in the past, although that 
that should be a little bit of it. But based upon the fruit, the fruit that they produce. This is, if we would just do this with politicians, every one of them would be kicked out. Every one of them. But we don't do this with politicians. We listen to their rhetoric. We listen to their promises. We listen to their flowery speeches. That we're going to do this and that. And they never do it. They're like false prophets. This is the people that come into our churches. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree brings forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree, a corrupt tree will eventually bring forth evil fruit. It may not be immediately apparent. I've, gone, I've done this many times with people and just accepted them into my confidence and accepted what they're telling us and everything. It turned out these people were lying to me. Have you been through that? Have you been through people that are friendly with you and yet and yet, if just down the road, they'll cut you off. They'll cut you to pieces. Know them by their fruit. By their fruit. This is how you judge people. This is how God is going to judge people. By their fruit. Their fruit. Be fruit inspectors. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, you might want to jump in on this one. I'll give you permission to jump in on this one, okay? Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth, that obeys the will of my Father which is in heaven. And many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils. And in thy name done many wonderful, miraculous works. Did you want to say something about that verse, Lori? Well, you, you kind of hit it right there with those wonderful works and, and, and that miraculous, because as I, put out, I think it was last week, and, and I remember talking briefly to you, about it, and I think I spoke with Maria. I, it was strange because I've, I've read that a zillion times. I've heard it quoted a zillion times. But when I looked up that word that is translated miraculous or, or uh, wonderful works and realized I was talking about miracles, it dawned on me that in those three verses, 21, 22, and 23, Christ starts out by saying, not everyone that, that saith to me, Lord, Lord, and calling him Lord, using that title, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he doeth, boyeo, to make or do, to obey the wills. And then he goes in, and, and it, it, the, the prophecy, the, 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 the prophets, and the casting out of devils, I, I got that. But when I saw that that wonderful works wasn't just, you know, taking food to the poor, that's not what's being said there. It's talking about miracles. If you look yeah. the word up, it's miracles. And I realized... Kind of what you've been harping on here tonight. I, I don't mean harping in a derogatory way. I mean that in a positive way. Is that that seems to be the very three things right there that, that, that most of Christendom, from what I can tell, certainly in this country, seems to be focused on, not the obedience. And then the very next verse, he goes on and he talks about, I shall say unto them, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, lawlessness, disobedience. And yeah. that's what it is. I mean, it's all right there in those three verses, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. 
when, when I realized that that third one listed in, in uh, verse 22 was wonderful works, was miracles. And that is what it is. Prophecy, casting, uh, 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 we, we hear it as, um, what do they call that, spiritual warfare. Everybody's wanting yeah. to cast these demons out. And then this one with, with miracles, be they healings or whatever. And look, I, again, I believe in all those gifts. But what's, what's the Lord say? It doesn't matter what I think. What does the Lord say? And he puts them all right there in a single verse and turns around and says, depart from me, you people that just did these things. He didn't say you didn't do them. He says, get away from me. You didn't keep my commandments, which ties yeah. into exactly what you're on tonight. Yeah, yeah. There are, thousands, there are people all over America, all around the world that are all focused, these and I'm not putting. I'm not trying to criticize any specific church or anything. Uh, Pentecostal, charismatic, apostolic, prophetic, all of these ministries today that are all focused and get people all worked up about about doing these these three things about learning to prophesy, learning to learning how to prophesy. And learning to cast out demons, and learning to be, do uh, healing or many mighty works, and these are the these are some of the gifts of God. Yes, but if you not, if that's your focus of what you're doing, you're gonna be you're gonna be shocked and stunned on the day of judgment that that's not what it was about. Yeah, Alan. You, you know, you you said earlier about about with you know it wasn't fifty fifty or sixty forty eighty twenty. I, I guess what I would would want to say to that, and this is just a made up number. It's it's to illustrate something. Is not to say that this stuff is unimportant or shouldn't be looked into, and that it's not real. That's not. I, I don't want anybody to misunderstand what either one of us are saying here. The point is, is it ought to be a ninety ten ninety percent yeah. on obedience and the commands. Of, of the Lord and 10% of this. It should be a periphery, not the focus. And I find it's the opposite. It's 90 10. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's it's upside down. It's crazy. And people don't ever, we don't, in America, people don't even know the basic Ten Commandments. They don't know the commandments of Jesus. If you ask people, this guy inter, introduces his book that I've been going through, the introduction, he said, he asked that regularly to pastors at conferences and and the, the pastors him haw around and then after a minute or so they start kind of thinking up some of the commandments of jesus but even they don't they're not focused on that and that just i mean we need to repent i need to repent we all need to repent because we're not consistently striving with the Holy Spirit's strength and power to keep the commandments of Jesus. We look for the power, but we don't follow we don't understand what the power is about. We don't understand what the goal of that is. It's just unbelievable. Therefore whoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, or oh, verse twenty three, then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. This is the same thing it says over in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 I read. What's the key things? Knowing God, I never knew you. 
Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. They're working lawlessness. They're not, they don't respect the law. They're antinomian. Therefore, whoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, obeys them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, just goes home, they go to church, they hear them, uh, it's a nice sermon, pastor, they go back to their regular life, they, they do not do them, they don't keep them, shall be likened unto a foolish man that built his house upon the sand, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Matthew 24, at verse 4. Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. The implication is that it's, we're very open to deception. We're very uh, easily deceived. So Jesus warns us, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. Let me read these in Jeremiah. He has some really good things to say about deception. Jeremiah 9, verse 4. Take ye heed every one of his neighbor, and trust ye not in any brother. For every brother will utterly supplant, and every neighbor will walk in slanders. This was during the time of of Jeremiah, this may be what's coming to America, that you can't trust your neighbor, you can't trust your brother, because they're going to supplant, they're going to lie about you. And they will deceive everyone his neighbor and will not speak the truth, and they have taught their tongues to speak lies and weary themselves to commit iniquity. Thine habitation is in the midst of deceit. Through deceit they refuse to know me. We're living in the midst of deceit right now in America. And then listen to... Go ahead. Well, I've been trying to keep my mouth shut, and I've got some notes I want when you're done. But before you get off this point, and again, people, what I'm about to say is, is to make a point. It doesn't matter what Alan Bailey thinks. It doesn't matter what Lori Berkebile thinks. It doesn't matter what any of us think. The only thing that matters is what the Lord thinks. And so let me read, read, not interpret. I will simply read out of, this is the gospel according to John. There's one verse in chapter 14 and one in 15 that I want to read. And you may get to it here in a minute. This is 14, 15. If ye love me, keep my commandments. And it gets even more stringent than that a chapter later where in John 15, 10, it says, if ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I just want to get that out. That's what the Lord thinks. That's what the Lord has told us. Amen. Amen. That's. I mean, how much plainer could that be? How much plainer? And yet people don't even pay attention to that anymore. So we've got to pay attention to these commandments. People are deceived. I've been deceived, and I still am in some ways deceived. 
And I have to be humble enough to admit that to myself so that I am open to continuing to pursue the truth in my own life, my own uh, family and everything. I have to continue to pursue the truth. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreads out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. This is the one who trusts in the Lord, who follows the teaching, the commandments of the Lord, who puts his hope in the Lord. He will be like a tree planted by the waters. The very next verse says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the rain even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Our heart will rationalize sin uh, very easily. Uh, it will rationalize, it will justify ourselves. There are passages in, like one in Luke 18 that says, the Pharisee came to Jesus seeking to justify himself. This is what religious people, we justify ourselves. We defend ourselves. The Bible says that we need to be poor in spirit. That means totally bankrupt. That means in my flesh, in me, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. Romans chapter 7. The heart is deceitful above all things. We need to Continually examine our hearts. Listen to other other people. Listen, search the scriptures. So we just need to not be deceived. This is what Jesus is warning us about. Galatians 6, verse 7, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, here's the fruit again, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So we need to sow to the Spirit by following the the Word of God, abiding in the Word of God, asking, seeking for the Lord's guidance and help in everything that we do. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. And then the last one let's talk about is be not afraid. Do not be afraid of suffering. Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. This is Jesus. If you look in your Bible, that's in red again. Fear none of those things which, shall, which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Uh, the point of that I was making was, do not be afraid. 
fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. God will be with you. God will walk with you through that, just like he did with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, just like he did with Stephen when he was stoned, just like with all the martyrs. He's right there with them. He's right there with them. Go ahead. Just real quick interjection on what you just read there. I, I want people to notice that it says the devil will cast you in. Not God. The yeah. devil will. Satan will. So this whole thing that everything happens is, is, is of God, it's, it, it's allowed. Nothing happens that God doesn't allow. But yeah. it's not necessarily God doing that. And that's why I wanted to just interject that. But it, it says very clearly that who, who's doing the throwing in jail. Yeah. So. Yeah. The enemy, the devil. Yeah. And then let me finish with two clear commands, the two very clear warnings of Jesus here. There was a John, this is John 3, 1 through 6. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night, because I guess he was hiding out from his own brethren. And said unto Jesus, Rabbi, we know thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, listen to what Jesus did. I mean, he, this Nicodemus came to Jesus kind of on an equal standing. He came for a discussion, a Bible discussion, you know. I know that you're doing some good things and... Uh, I, I have come here. I mean, Jesus read his heart. He understood what he was there for. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Have you been born again? Have you come to the point in your life where you realize that, that there is nothing good in, in you, in your flesh, in your fleshly plan? That your life is a disaster. Your life, you're violating the commandments of God. Left, you're not ready for the, for the judgment of God. Except a man be born again, except he, he allows his old life to be crucified with Jesus. He is buried. That old life is buried. That old self is buried. And he arises with Jesus as a new creature. It's a miracle. It's a, an absolute miracle that happens. Have you been born again? Except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. This was, this was stated to a rabbi. This is stated to a ruler of the Jews. This was a, he was a well-known man. John 8, verse 24, Jesus therefore said unto you, 
that you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Very plain. Mark 16, verse 16, and I'll quit. He that believeth, and the believeth here is not simply a mental agreement with something. This is a a commitment that you're making. You believe everything Jesus teaches. You believe that you're cha- you're repenting, you're changing your whole life, you're giving your whole life to Jesus. He that believeth and is baptized, immersed, you you are you immerse yourself in Jesus in the waters of baptism. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. There's the commandments of Jesus. And I hope and pray that you will uh, chew on those and think seriously about them. Go ahead, Lori. Well, on, on this, what you just said there about believe and trying to stress what that means. You know, if, if, if we believe, as most Christians espouse, I, I would assume all of them, nominal or otherwise, but they, they espouse that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. Historical fact, whatever. The question is, is this believe is a covenantal relationship. And if yeah. we believe that he is our Lord and Savior, how dare we not obey what he tells us to do? it's a no-brainer. It's not about figuring this, that, and the other thing out. It's about obedience to our sovereign Lord of Lords, Lords, and King of Kings. Yeah, amen. Amen. Yeah. You submit. You you submit to his plan, to his... You give up your rights. You're, You're a bond servant of Jesus Christ. That's... That's what it means to believe. Yeah. Not presented like that very often today. No, and we get those commands from the written word. That's that's where they're written out. The Holy Spirit comes and convicts us of sin and righteousness as we discussed earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And we're not obeying. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's uh, what I had for tonight. I mean, I, I I just hope people will will chew on these this series of lessons about the commandments of Jesus and take this is what the Christian life is all about. I mean, we can talk about everything else under the sun, everything else in the Bible, but this is what the Bible is about. This is what the Bible is about. If you take all if you keep focused on all of those other details, all the prophetic plans, the dispensational future plans, trying to figure out the end times, you figure you focus on uh minor doctrinal stuff, church differences, stuff like this, instead of focusing on the clear commandments of Jesus, the clear commandments of God to Moses in the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, the command, the clear commandments of the Apostle Paul and Peter and John in the New Testament and James. 
If you just focus on the clear commandments, there is absolutely no confusion about it. I mean, maybe there's a few of them that that are kind of difficult to to apply to figure out the applic- the proper application, but the concept is, is clear uh, and simple. What we're to do, and uh, I don't know how to make it any more plain. This is how one prepares for the coming of Jesus. This is how one lives the Christian life every day, whether Jesus comes uh, tonight at midnight or whether he doesn't come for another thousand years. This is how we live. This is what will advance the kingdom of God upon the earth. This is why America is being judged is because not enough Christian people are simply doing this. This is why. It's not because of the Antichrist. It's not because of all of this other stuff. People are deceived. If people would simply get back to obeying the commandments of Jesus, following the clear, simple teaching of Jesus Christ, that would change things. But uh, how many people are listening tonight, you know? So it's kind of frustrating. So uh, let me say a prayer and uh, we'll uh, close this. Heavenly Father, we look at this uh, and we we look at ourselves in the mirror of your law, of your commandments, and we fall short. We want so desperately to obey and to keep all of these commandments. We fail in in many ways. We beg and pray for your forgiveness as we confess our sins, our sins of lust, our sins of lying, our sins of uh, dishonesty, our sins of uh, being angry without cause, of worrying, of being being afraid of, of just a multitude of sins that we commit, that we fail. Oh God, be merciful to us. Cover us, cover us, cover us with the blood of Jesus. And see us covered with the blood of Jesus, Father. For there's nothing good within us. And we ask and pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we would indeed be the temple of the Holy Spirit, that would produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that the world might see and take notice that there is something dramatically different, something dramatically uh, spiritual and different about our lives and the fruit that we produce and leave behind. Please, Father, fill us with that Holy Spirit We cannot do this. Without you, we can do nothing. Without Jesus, we can do nothing. Help us to learn to practice resting in Christ, abiding in Christ, and allowing his words to abide in us that the fruit would be produced. We ask and pray this, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Alan, for a very powerful 
presentation there. It's and, and again, I'm I'm sorry for all the interruptions and interjections. It's just oh, they were good. This is just, well, it's just this, this is so central and key to what I've been trying to get out for years, and and I know you have too. And it is it it, it it's heartbreaking, and 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 then it ends up getting frustrating. And 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 this be my I wrote down a couple points because I really was gonna. Try not to interject. Then you went to Matthew 721 to 23 and gave me permission, so I did. And a couple little before you moved on. But uh, you mentioned earlier there about when, when uh, Peter was walking on the water. And funny enough, Maria, who started in on the New Testament here, read the same thing. And, and you're also talking about all these issues going on in and around us all the time. And... <clears throat> Not to get into these $67,000 words, you know, I, I really hate them, but I didn't make them up, they did. I, I was doing a, a, a study one time on that with Peter walking on the water, you know, and it, it says that he was walking on the water until he noticed the, the wind and the waves. And then he started gurgle, gurgle. Yeah. And and I forget where I ran into it, but I ran into his word, and it, it, it drove me nuts. The word is enclitic. Uh, you are probably familiar with it with the training you did. I had a heck of a time finding what this word enclitic means. and has different meanings in different languages, but what I believe I found out in the Greek is an enclitic is where it can either give virtually no meaning to a word or it can give an extreme meaning to the word. And the enclitic here was that of direction. That is focus on the Lord. And Peter was walking on the water as long as he was focused on the on the Lord, but as soon as he took his eyes off the Lord, as it were, and noticed, and it's, it, that's the way it says it. It says that he noticed or saw, I don't, I don't have it pulled up right now, the, these waves, and that's when he went starting gurgle, gurgle. And I'm going to suggest that this wind and waves roaring is this subterfuge, these side issues, that are around us that we focus on. I've asked a zillion times, what is meant when it says, and the cares of this world? Sure, yeah. it can have the meaning of, you know, can I pay the bills? Can I this and that? But it's also a lot of this other stuff that we get focused on. And I, I, I think that somehow it's just going to end up getting missed, the, the, the tuna boat or whatever we want to call it, uh, because of these little side issue subterfuge did, did you have any thoughts on that that you wanted to that's a, i mean that's just an incredible illustration of what goes on that's exactly what goes on in our lives all the time that we get we take our eyes off of jesus if we ever have it on jesus and are so preoccupied with all of the wind and the waves that's going on around us and uh, you listen to the news, and how, how, what does that do to the wind and the waves? It just increases them. And you listen to the alternative, and what does that do? That increases them. Instead of just keeping our eyes focused on Jesus. That's a great illustration, yeah. Well, it's funny you'd mention that, Alan, because one of the reasons, not that I've totally extricated myself from it, and I don't have any intention of it, and I know you probably don't either, but one of the reasons why there was a change in, in format of this broadcast, even before I left BTR, was more into this, this fellowship, this comforting and consoling, rather than the rest of it. it. It's been put out there. Okay, focus it, study it. There's a lot of stuff up there. 
But at the end of the day, we better be focused on the Lord, which kind of brings me to my, my next thought that you, you brought up about where you were reading, you know, take no thought for tomorrow and all this and what you'll eat and what you'll drink and so on and so forth. And look, we, we all do it, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this, I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to put a little caveat here that I think you'll agree. Uh, you know, we, we've heard this, the best laid plans of mice and men, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong in and of with planning, and I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. But have any of you ever had an accident? You know, it, it amazes me, no matter what we have, what we think we have, what we think we're about ready to get, in an instant, your entire life can be changed. Be it an accident where you're quadriplegic, be it an accident and you're killed, be it your house burned down, and all this changes in an instant, regardless of what your plans are. Yeah. Now, I don't want that to sound maybe as fatalistic so that I don't get accused of that because I'm, I'm going to kind of countermand that where you had mentioned about it's hard sometimes no practical applications. And I refer to the reference we have, I forget if it's Proverbs or Psalms, about the ant and the grasshopper. The ant does make preparations and lives through the winter. The grasshopper does not and does not make it. So the Lord did give us brains, gray matter, whatever. I mean, we're not just a bunch of blind leaders of the blind, uh, wandering, bumping along blindly. But when we put our faith in these plans, in these stockpiles of fill in the blank, who's our trust in? Have we filled that barn to capacity to the point where we're saying, oh, I got to build another barn? Who's our faith in? The Lord or ourselves or the system or Caesar? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question to chew on right there. That's really good. And one last thought that I had since you brought up Paris Reedhead and some of these trials and tribulations. And look, a, a lot of this is easier said than done. I mean, I, I don't want to come across like I'm some, you know, I, I got it all nailed down and, you know, I, I, I well, I don't even need to go into it, golly. But, you know, Paris had brought up about these trials and tribulations. Did the Lord allow? Some of them we can argue. I wouldn't even have a problem that he, he ordains or puts us in there. But a lot of them he's simply allowing them. Do we have peace in those? Do we have solace? Do we take the lesson out of those that, that, that he's trying to get our attention? You know, a lot of times I've, I, I've, I've read and listened to Maria reading and, and, and some verses you've read, it seems like a lot of these things, especially in the Old Testament, we have accounts where the Lord either causes or allows these things to happen to get Israel's attention. Yeah. And sometimes he's got to drop you, a drop kick you, to get your attention. Do we learn the lesson or do we say, oh, oh, ugh. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Anyway, Alan, th those are the thoughts that I I had uh, written down so I didn't lose track of them. I try to keep my interjections to, to a, a minimum. Uh, so I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I know we had a, an unusually long introduction, <laughs> and there was quite a bit of interjection. And again, I, I, I apologize. I know you say there's not need, but... I normally try not to interject that much. It's just this is so near and dear to my heart. 
that I just I, I I'd explode. The rocks would fry out. I, I would explode on some of this if I if I didn't interject. So I don't know if you have any last minute thoughts or comments. I know you normally don't like going much more than about an hour and a half or so. So we'll probably just let you wind up and and, and with with your thoughts and and, and call it a a, a night and uh, let let people chew on this and, and digest it. Okay, that that'll be good with me. I I was thinking. Uh... I enjoy. I think we have good interaction. I think uh, it flows pretty good. I was thinking of uh, doing a call next week, and you think about this and chew on it this week, and we can do it next. The next uh, on my call next week, and let's have a discussion of how we got here. How we got here, and by that I'm. I've been thinking. I mean, the spirit has just been putting thoughts on my heart from a uh, from the uh christian the the church the uh, the spiritual side of it from the church side of that question how we got here that que- i mean you might uh, think of uh different angles on that question you know i mean there there'd be i think there'd be a, a good uh, call just to enter let's just to bounce back and forth and interact like we do uh, about that question. How does that sound to you? Well, uh, you don't have any problem tripping triggers with me. That I assure you. <laughs> so I'll just say yes and follow your lead. Now, okay. we can do it on your next week's call if that's what you'd like to do. But if you want to get into the next lesson, we can also do a special one if you want. That's that's up to you. I mean, I, it's no, just an is- offer... Okay. Well, this okay. I'm finished with this book. This was the end of uh, the book and kind of this series of lessons on the commandments of Jesus. It's not that I've in any way exhausted any of that, but I thought next week uh, I hadn't completely decided where I was going to go. The next, uh, you know, I usually kind of think in chunks. So I, I've been wanting to talk about that, about how we got here. And uh, just different uh, different things that have happened uh, in the last 100, 200 years even that have affected uh, Protestant Christianity is what I was thinking about, kind of, which is where my background and thought has been most of my life. And yours might be a little bit different, but we can play off of each other, I think, uh, doing that. So... That's kind of what I was thinking for next next week's call, okay? Yeah. Well, that, that could be wonderful, Alan, because I, I could almost just spitballing here, see this as being a, a a compilation or a crescendo of studies that and, and broadcasts that I've done in the past on some of this church history, and I know you've been doing on your broadcast with the Scottish Covenanters, just to mention one, and, yeah. and maybe kind of... Yeah, it, it, so we're on the same page. Sounds like we're we're thinking the same thing because how we got here is is very critical. I mean, if, if if we don't even know how we got to where we're at, how do we know how to get out? And and this is another source of of just heartbreaking frustration with me is is as I've said before, why I started doing some of those studies and like you said earlier, and how many listened to the call because yeah. the, the the bottom line is is if people cling bitterly onto doctrines, they don't even know where they come from. Yeah. That's no reason why I've been doing Heiser. He gets into some of this history. I've, I've done that with the Church of England, the early 
church here in this country. You've gotten into there with the Scottish Covenanters, and we've gone on and on, got ad nauseum with, 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 with Catholicism and how some of these practices uh, came over. I remember your first show. You were talking about the, the, the church buildings and, and some of this, how, how you know, the, the Mass has been supplanted with a service, and, and instead of the Eucharist, it's now this sermon, and it's all focused around there, and the, the, the pews all being nailed down, and you fake the same way, and there's not any interaction. And it's not biblical church, folks. You, you, yeah. you went to quite a bit of that in that book you were reading in, which is on the Dropbox, as I recall, but whatever. And so, yeah, yeah, I, it, this, that sounds wonderful to me, Alan. Okay, good. That sounds real good. And it would be okay... okay. To just close it out for me tonight, that'd be fine. Yeah, uh, you send me a title, whatever you want for a title, like you normally do, so that I know what to put up there, what to call it. Because uh, I, I got a okay. lot of things, but a, but a creative mind ain't really one of them. I'm, I'm kind <laughs> of a nuts and bolts type of person. I never cared much for art and all that, and that's why these these tag words and titles a lot of times just elude me, and I kind of go, Ooh, well, you know, I could this, could that, so. Send me a title like you always do, and we'll plan on it. And I'll just I'll just follow your lead. You know you know how to trip my triggers, but now I'm sure. Okay. So uh, <laughs> that that sounds good. Okay. Well, thanks, Alan, again for for joining us, taking the time out of your your schedule to to do this. And uh, I know it's getting late for where you're at, especially as early as you get up. So uh, we look forward to having you on next week. Uh, gonna start uh, Saturday. I've been putting a lot of things up on TalkShoe just as they come up or whatever. If anybody's interested, some some sermons and teaching, some legal historical stuff. Uh, but the next one I have planned anyway will be uh, Paris on Saturday with Let's Be Church. And and he is really like you brought up. He's just really been nailing a, a lot of it's the same stuff you and I are talking about. Yeah. Uh, amazingly enough. It is. Yeah. All right. Well, you hope you get a good night's rest and and God bless and we'll uh talk to you later. Let me okay, go thanks. And end thanks, Lori. I'm God end bless this. you too. Okay. Yep. I, I went ahead and ended this, Alan, or trying to okay. here. Uh I hate this time delay thing. It is, I know. It's not really letting me end, and I was hoping that I could get it ended while we were still on the on the call for just a, a, a minute. Who are you? That? I don't know. My, huh? It's I, it's been doing that to me too. So you have but to. I've ended it. You have to kind of end the Skype. Is what I've found. Well, I don't know why it does. I've that. ended it before. I've had that where it won't let me terminate, but it normally lets me end the call. Uh, without hanging up, but anyway, all right. I was just thinking that maybe if you had a minute just before we got off, but that that's okay, no big deal. All right, Alan, thanks a lot again, and get some rest. God bless you, and we look forward to having you on next week. Okay, thanks, Lori. Bye bye.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.